0: and Dutch, Dyslexia Audio Transmission Hi Heidi, thanks for coming in to talk to us today um, I met you about six months ago I came to the NCAD to see a project that you had created That's right. and you very kindly agreed to come along and chat to us on the podcast so how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how I came to meet you that day and what you've been doing since? Absolutely. So, my name's Heidi
1: Dwyer and I am an artist. I went to Ballyfermit and I got my, I got my um, portfolio course in Ballyfermit. And then from there, I went to NCAD, the National College of Art and Design, and I studied sculpture and education as well. And that was a four year course. So I am actually about to graduate now in November. So um that's fantastic. So I'm now I'm a sculptor and I'm also um an art teacher and I'm also a singer. I sing in a band um on the weekends, it's my part-time job and it's fantastic.
0: It's great to do something that you love, so it's great. That's brilliant. So you're a very busy lady. Um and of course underpinning all that is that you are dyslexic. I am, yeah. So can you tell us um, about that? What, wh- when did you find out that you were dyslexic? Well, I was in an
1: Irish school and my teachers found out that I was struggling keeping up with the spelling and all the reading and writing and I'd fall asleep in class all the time. <laughs> and I was only, I was about eight years old. So it was detected quite early. Um, and from then I ended up moving to an English school and I was really struggling with, with even keeping up with the other the rest of the students in the class. I just remember I'd be on the first page and I'd be on the tenth page and I'd just freak out altogether. So I, um, after I had my assessment, I was told a few things about myself. I was pretty much told that my mum was told that I would f- struggle with remembering things in sequence. So... If I was told to run up the stairs, get my jacket, get my boots, get um hairband and run down and get my school bag, I'd only remember the first thing. Okay. So um that was how it was described um to me and to my parents as what it was. Um and also that I'd be behind in in activities or things in English or um or maths. So that's what I kind of knew about myself when I found out that I had dyslexia. Okay. Um, but I have to say that even though I, I found out then things about myself, I still didn't really understand what dyslexia was
0: until I went to college. Okay, so you were eight when you found out. Yeah. And then you feel it was when you went to college that you began to understand what it meant to you. Yeah. And how then did you, or at what point in your life then, did you begin to manage your dyslexia? Well, so going through school, I struggled. Like, I'd
1: stay up all night working and working. Even for the junior cert, I worked extremely hard. It was crazy. I wouldn't go outside. Like, I would be in the room studying no matter what day it was and coming back with really grades that weren't reflecting the amount of work that I was doing. Um, and that's how I thought I was managing my dyslexia I thought I was managing it by overworking and, and passing and just getting by but then when I went to Ballyfermit they asked me to research something that I'd be really interested in because something about myself like maybe a hobby but I really wanted to find out what the difference between my brain as a dyslexic person and someone who doesn't have it I wanted to find out like why I was behind and is there any actual reasons like um so I found out through a lot of research this is my oh this is the first year I decided to reflect um I just I found out that the brain was actually different so if you did a brain scan uh the front part um uh the frontal lobe and the back part of the brain and uh, the frontal lobe has a bigger part which is the creativity and the back two parts that put the linguistic and all the different uh, forms of writing and letters, that that was a little bit smaller. So um, when I realised that, that's when my grades went right up because I was doing something that I was really good at, mm-hmm. getting distinctions yeah. for the same amount of work. Um, and that was unbelievable. When I got full distinctions to get into NCAD, like... It was a miracle. I actually thought I, I just couldn't believe I'd never gotten an A in my whole life for anything, and um, and when I went to the national college of art and design, I had to do a test again for my dyslexia, and the test, it kind of made it kind of made my heart beat really fast when I got the results because, I didn't actually realise how bad I was, okay. uh, when I got the results back. I was there with my dad and. He, he supported me through the whole thing cause he found out through me that he had dyslexia too. Okay. And a lot of adults find out that way, mm. actually. Um, yeah, so I found out what age I was under for English, maths. And I was, how did I get through school? Oh, yeah. And when I realised that, I was actually first proud of myself that I could combat school mm. uh, without understanding that about myself at the time. But... ended the dyslexia learning support was quite good for the first year in ncd we had a very good uh, helper and she showed me technology mm-hmm. and then when i was introduced to technology because i didn't have a laptop through school or even the internet mm-hmm. and like i'm only 23 now so i got that when i was 19 i got it very late uh, when i found out how to use these apps and technology I actually I, I remember the first time I heard about speech notes it's um a Google app so you don't even need to download it my teacher um in education she really surprised me because um she said she uh, taught some students how to use this app and I remember doing an essay um in one night just by speaking into my laptop and it went from speech to text and I had just done my thesis before I found that app, and I was I worked for months and months typing and getting people to help read it. Yeah. Proofread it, and oh my god, my mind was blown. Blown. So you did an essay in one night when you learned. I did an to essay, two thousand word essay in one night, and it's and then I realized, oh my god, it's not my brain, it's the it's the translation from my brain to words to getting words on a page onto a computer yeah. and I realized I actually I'm quite it's the first time I realized actually I am kind of intelligent like I have that intelligence in there but it was buried from the translation and that was just I just remember going in I thanked her every day of the week for a full week <laughs> and she was just like it's fine not a big deal but it was a big deal
0: huge huge That's a brilliant story yeah and yeah. you feel that it was only at that moment that you began to acknowledge your own intelligence even though you yeah. had already combated as you said that was your word yeah. at school and everything Combat. to get to that point
1: and I was in third year and I had four years in um, NCAD and that was my third year so I had done one year of intense work for I was doing my teaching training and I don't at that stage, third year, nearly all of the essays had been finished, completed, passed them by the skin of my teeth, and I had no confidence. I remember I had to do an um stand up and do a presentation. And it was one that they break it down because they're preparing you for your very final one. And they're asking me questions like what are like all these different elements for art. And on the spot I couldn't think of them and I was just shocked. And they said, you have no confidence in yourself. And I said, well, I can't do this work. I'm, I'm going to quit. Um, and then when I was introduced to speech notes, I just think because I could get things on paper um, that I started to remember and retain the information a lot better. Right. And um, also I had this other app that you could listen to what you've written. So I'd replay it and replay what I've written. So even for now an essay I would record my voice on my phone mm-hmm. through my uh, voice recordings then I play it onto my computer to speech notes then that would write it down okay then I copy and paste it onto word right then I'd listen to it back and that was how I did every essay and how I did every lesson plan mm. and that was that was when I realized the click of yeah, I can do this. I have this confidence now, and I ended up doing very well. Then, the teachers who did my final assessment were saying, "How did you? How did you go from probably a two to an eight? Like how in that amount of time? Yeah. Like you've excelled, and I did because this confidence grew when I realised that I I am intelligent. I'm not just thick." When I went to Adamstown, um, there, I said, up front... Because I asked my teachers in college, I was like, what do they say? Like, how do I say... Because one anxiety I had was the art history. How do I say, like, if I write something on the board and it's completely spelt, like, a completely different word, how do I say, like... Oh, I just made a mistake. Do I say I'm dyslexic? And they said, say it straight away. Yeah. Okay. So my first slide... Hi, I'm Heidi, I'm an artist, I showed my artwork, I have dyslexia. And I told them a little bit about my life then, and then so many kids at the end of class would come up, oh, in, in primary school I was told I have dyslexia, and it was unbelievable because it came back to me, I said it to the host teacher and she never realised, but just because someone had it, they opened up, yeah. and I showed them all the apps and they were doing their homework on them. So it's just like just that's what I mean. Like teachers only need a little bit of education for the apps mm-hmm. and
2: that. Yeah, because I was going to ask. We talk quite a lot about technology on yeah. the podcast, mm-hmm. and some people are a wee bit phased by how much technological skill they need to use these things. Yeah. What would you say to people who are a wee bit wary of how much kind of tech savvy they need to be?
1: I. I'm not excellent on computers I learnt in Ballyferma to do my first computer course in there um, you need to know the basics yeah. you'd need to know how well I think you'd, the main things you'd need is you need an email um, to send things to yourself and you need to know how to use word yeah. you need to know how to just go onto the internet okay. just to go onto Google yeah. and you can get someone else to download like Zotero and Orato. Orato is the one that I use. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. O-R-A-T-O. Mm. And you highlight it and it goes from text to speech. So all you need is that them few things and you can survive on nearly being normal with doing essays.
2: Brilliant. So, so if you can take a photograph and Instagram it, you can use all this stuff. It's not a mm-hmm. high level of technology.
1: Oh, not a high level. I... I'm really bad. Well, I'm not really bad now, actually. I'm getting good, but I'm not... I wouldn't be a tech person. Okay. I hate bones, I hate tech. Like, it gives me migraines. <laughs> but it's helped me to get to this point. Great. And, like, you can bear them. So, yeah.
2: Heidi, you mentioned the word creativity there. Yeah. That's a word that comes up quite a lot in the literature about dyslexia. Mm-hmm. What what do you think? Do you think dyslexics are creative? Do they become creative? What, I mean, you're a musician, you're yeah. an artist, yeah. you're a sculpture, sculpture, sculptor. Sculptor? <laughs> sculptor. And uh, what do you think?
1: In my... Well, from my own experience, I think I was always kind of more creative. And I think... I would zone out in class and I'd be looking at the trees out the window. And I would just be thinking of what can I do? What can I make when I go home? But even to keep me quiet as a kid, my mum would bring colours, markers, books that I can just draw in. Um, I've always been more creative. And from my experience of teaching in schools, the kids um, are extremely creative. Mm. They're so creative that in class... When a teacher is saying something, they're drawing a picture in their book. They're not all the time, they're not writing down things. And I find true creativity, it's nearly like a doorway to kind of escape what you have to go through every day um, in class. And I just, most people that I've seen, they think a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. They don't think when a word is said, they don't think about what it's, what it sounds like what spell they think of an image they think of what color that thing is or they they connect it with an image and i just think they're very visual people they are good with auditory they like talking yeah um and i think then sometimes they find it hard dyslexic people find it hard just looking at black and white writing mm. on a page like mm. it jumps and there's so many different ways people see write- writing um but with pictures you're allowed to see it in different ways yeah. you have that um you have your own creative um explanation for things and nothing is wrong with pictures or art and i think people love that you can just explore and you're n- you're not particularly wrong until so you have an idea or an opinion
2: mm. And, and you've done some work around some of your art and some of your sculpting. You can tell I don't know anything about art, but some of your work has looked at your experience with literacy and dyslexia. Could you say a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, well, the first project that I did was Bali firm at my portfolio course. And I remember when I was in school, I got this part and uh, people knew that I was kind of dramatic and I had that kind of stage presence. I've always had it because my mom is, um, she's a dance teacher and I've always been her helper and I've always been very verbal and like talking and teaching and helping if someone falls off. I've, I've always been that type of person. So, um, I got this part in class, we were doing our Romeo and Juliet, and the teacher said, Heidi, you're Juliet, you'll be brilliant, you'll be great at speaking this, and I got the book, I, oh, the first sentence took me 10 minutes to get out, (laughs) and people are looking at me like, and I was, like I had 10 heads, and I went so red, I nearly went purple, Mm. and I was like, No, I I can't do this. If I just heard it, I'd memorise it and speak it back. But, oh my God, the teacher just said, Sorry, Heidi, I think we'll give this part to somebody else. So, automatically, it was taken off me. And I was like, okay. And I got the part with the one line. No way. I got the part with the one line. But I did, I was actually, I did care at the time. I'm not going to pretend I didn't. Mm, Um, I was upset, but I got past it. And I liked listening to the story and I enjoyed it. I loved listening to it. Um, So my first piece was a chandelier. And when I stood up, it had barbed wire coming down just above my head. Like it was a crown, like... I'm not religious, but it was like Jesus's crown, kind of. And it was to symbolise how your, your brain can really hurt reading. And in the chandelier, I had the quote spelt correctly. And on the other side, I had the quote the way I had seen it. And it was all etched in, and there was a light. So the light throws the shadow onto all the walls in the room. And it's kind of like, this is how I felt in the moment in the classroom. I felt that pain and I felt, oh, I could do it, but I can't because I can't see the words properly. That was my first piece that I did. And then from then on, my first year of NCAD, I made these glasses as if glass as is as if you put these glasses on, you'll be dyslexic. You can see these letters wrong. And I photocopied things. I moved the pages in the photocopier and they're all wavy. The letters but it didn't reflect how I'd really seen the words but I was exploring uh literacy in different ways mm. and then um my third year my second year of college um I did this track that was on the roof I made my own alphabet the way I'd kind of seen letters and um, I made a dyslexic alphabet up and the people who weren't dyslexic had to decode what it said okay. the same way as I have to decode what the letters say mm. in real life. So it's that kind of delay of translation yeah. and it frustrated people. And th- the funny thing was I didn't write a particular word with these letters um, that you could drag around the track and they overlap each other and they make different letters that you'd have to look a few times at the map to say, is that that letter? Or is that that letter? What letter is it? And what can I see um, here? And it took people a while and they got so frustrated. And it was kind of like, that's how I feel yeah. sometimes. Um, and but it was kind of an elegant looking piece. So if you looked at it, you'd say, That's a lovely piece. There's nothing wrong with that piece. You try to decode it and you see the inside depth of yeah. what it actually translates as, what it means. Mm. Um, and that was uh, then I had a year of fully full-time education tr- teaching in schools and uh, the good thing was because I did all this research into other people's dyslexia and I interviewed a few people and we discussed what how they see it what really interesting thing this guy said to me he said I see it like it's a river on a page and all the letters are each side of the river and they're all overlapping each other and there's blank space and that was nothing that I would see. Mm. Mm. I just can't see the letters because they, they're they not legible for me on a page sometimes. Um, so then I decided to do these letters that spin on mm. a big, large scale and I wanted the shadows to overlap each other and I wanted them to be dangerous and uh, transparent almost and um, they were made out of metal and wire and they kind of looked pretty when you seen them at first but when you spin them they spin so fast they could
0: take the head off somebody <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they were very dangerous and um, that's the ex- exhibition I came to that see that was, it was the amazing yeah the you yeah see.
1: um thank you uh so that was a, a lot of work went into that as well but I think the reason it benefited me so much, it was an emotional path, going back through my childhood books and bringing up this emotion that I kind of buried in mm. me and just saying, thinking, only realising how unfair school was to me. I did, I actually was okay in school. I thought everything was okay. I thought like, I was being taught properly, but it didn't benefit me as much as I could have been helped a true visuals and technology definitely technology but it's been brought out now the technology and I think when people have when teachers have friends who have dyslexia or uh, brothers or sisters uh, they realize that how effective how it can impact someone's life dyslexia it's a big part of your life mm-hmm. um, and you can control it if you have the right tools yeah and it, it cannot like you, you'd love to say it doesn't hold you back it can hold you back it can wear you down but when you realise you can get somewhere that other people can get with, when they work hard you realise wow that's incredible I've done that I've done that journey yeah. I am as hard as nails I can do it mm. it's, it's very rewarding project that I did I forgot to mention um I made this collaborative piece with my brother and with a rapper from America and I was going through my brother is a dancer mm-hmm. and he's a dance teacher he's actually an all-Ireland champion bright dancer and he's only 20 wow. well 21 now and uh I said I want you to do this piece for me that reflects how dyslexia feels inside because through his movements, he's really passionate in his and it's dancing. He can bring out this rawness. Okay. And, and he's seen me struggling. Uh, he was younger and he was ma- miles ahead. Yeah. We, we used to play timetables, matches, games with my dad, and he'd be miles ahead. And mm. he'd say, You're older than me. How come you can't do this? Yeah. And, but as he got older, he realized what it was. And this uh, this rapper, Mike, I went through YouTube videos of songs. Katy Perry's song came up. and But it wasn't real to me. And they didn't reflect. But this song that Mike uh, Malker is his name, he wrote You Call Me Stupid. And it was about his life in America as a dyslexic person. And um, it's just really incredible. He has um, ADHD, dyslexia, and he's half deaf. Right. And he has this rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it is You Called Me Stupid. That's what all the haters... It's just it sounds like i can't even get the words out now but um so what i did was i was the editor in it and i got my brother to choreograph uh he choreographed this dance in where i was doing my exhibition and i played it but i made the music some of the words go backwards Mm. and i repeated some of the words so uh they told me uh that I couldn't read and it would come back backwards and his moves would uh, repeat themselves and it was like he kept repeating himself and repeating himself and he kept falling over and it was just it was a piece that when you just when you watch it you say you think that's broken but when you explain it to someone there it's it's good to explain dyslexia sometimes not just true reading and writing because that's what everybody hears yes it's it's in your body and it's your emotions behind mm-hmm. it it's a really big thing and mm-hmm. it can affect things like speech it can sometimes mm-hmm. and you're trying to say if you've got a great sentence in your head in your brain you're mm-hmm. about to say it and it just comes out like it's just a blur and it's so i think that's why his rap was really essential to this project too mm-hmm. And I made a box that you had to crawl into and it's like crawling inside the brain of a really? dyslexic person. Um
0: yeah, I must put that up. Perhaps. I would love to see that. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, I'd love to get a look at that. Yeah.
2: Uh, did you have a web page or where I
0: am you... still
1: developing it but uh, I must yeah, I have to send a link next yeah.
2: time. Yeah, sounds good. We'll we do. can maybe post that on our own Facebook. Uh, page as well yeah
0: because I'm sure That'd there's other brilliant. people out there who are just as intrigued as I am by all of this and they're like oh yeah. where can I see this stuff Cause yeah. just, and I think you've really captured that um, some people are frustrated with that that they can't get the message across to somebody else how they feel Yeah. so I think your art has really allowed you to capture that and translate yeah. that as you said into another forum
1: absolutely
0: like I've been asked throughout the whole time why is your
1: dyslexia and that's just a bomb drop. <laughs> How can you describe what it is? Yeah. It's everything. It's part of your life. It's part of reading instructions, trying to walk down the street. It's part of time, trying to get somewhere on time. And you've left early, but you're it's right it's late. <laughs> and it's just, it's things that you can't explain. But it's that, when you realise that you have that, it's the sympathy, you can give empathy to other people. And it's like you have this superpower that you can talk with people real in real life mm-hmm. and they almost blurt it out to you because they realize you know I'm not the only person who has this and yeah. and I think in, even in the schools that I teach in these students when I discuss when we, they come back they stay back and we talk about they tell me about they didn't get their homework in last night so they're on detention and we talk about that and I think I give them an art project and then they dive right into their art project because they have someone who believes in them. It's when someone believes in them, that's when they start believing in themselves. It's kind of like, what's the point to doing it if you get, keep getting crap results? Absolutely. So I just love to grow up and help people with dyslexia. That's all I want to do now because there's so many people that... Are, like, there's educators that are there for people who have, don't have this disability. And there's... I, it says there's 10% people mm. dyslexia, but there's way more. I know there is. And there's so many adults, like my dad's generation. Yeah. And they were in school for just not putting things down right. He is the most intelligent person. Mm-hmm. He fixes anything that's broken. And everyone comes and they call him because his mind works, ticks on this different way. And
0: it's incredible the skills that could be brought out if...
1: People yeah. add more help.
0: Yeah, if they were given maybe an alternative way of doing something practical and the chance. Yeah, and practical assessments and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to. I
1: really would like to help people, um, and to educate people who don't have a clue mm-hmm. what dyslexia is, and they know what the word is, and they just think people read stuff backwards or they can't read, and the they just they're stupid. Like people genuinely do say, they think to themselves. Ah, oh, you're a bit stupid. You're just slow. It's just a word to hide that. Mm-hmm. But it it isn't. It's this technology proved it to me. I'd no belief and
0: I'd now I really had no uh I did I did think it was just a word to cover it up. And so sorry, so just let me pause there for a sec. So you yeah. really believed that the word dyslexia was just covering the fact that, that I wasn't Thought I was slow. I thought you were
1: slow. I actually did. And I actually even portrayed that character in school as being thick because i thought it was funnier like i just thought it was funnier to say oh, i had no idea like or else i they'd say i remember in home they said what is a jewel and they're talking about cooker and i knew what it was I said it's a match in Romeo and Juliet like just <laughs> things and I suppose I dis- I developed a sense of humour. Yeah. In them years. Coping mechanism, maybe. It was a coping mechanism and people say, oh, you're so blonde in your head, but it was covering up my feelings. Yeah. And yeah. I just think there's so much potential. Mm-hmm. If teachers if teachers took the time to even talk to their students what is affecting them? But they also need to have a strategy to help the students, um, not just listen to them, but also have tools to just give them to help them develop their self-belief and their capability that they can do these things. God, the stories that they can make up. Mm. Uh, one thing one thing I remember very well at school, um, we had to do an essay for homework in English, and uh, they... My teacher said, Heidi, read out yours, and I didn't get time to do it that night before, so I made up a full-blown story, and I was tracing the lines on the page, and I pretended to stutter, to go back to the last word. Well, I did it so well, that and we all had to grade each other, and they were like, oh, that was the best story I've ever written. And I was like, thank you. And then it did. they said, I'm going to correct the spellings now. And I, a blank page in front of me. And that just showed that like I do have this creative ability yeah. for creative writing art. Mm-hmm. But I just can't write it down on time. Yeah. So it just it proves it.
2: It strikes me in life, though, that skill that you demonstrated that day is probably as, if not more, useful in life, yeah. in jobs, in presenting, and pitching yes than writing an essay you know speaking from the no. head and yeah. from the heart is is probably more important in a lot of in a lot of fields
1: i do feel that way i feel like maybe i don't have the largest words and i don't have like we had an interview i had, it was mock interviews um for a few principals came in and i remember my friends are they're amazing they had these words and Oh, I just couldn't remember them. I couldn't even make I could make I could understand what they were saying, but they're trying to get me to repeat what they were saying. And I, I was so anxious going in. And I went in and he asked me all these questions about differentiation and how I'd handle different scenarios. And I just said how how I did do it. Yeah. And the teacher at the end, the principal at the end said that girl was fantastic in interview. Wednesday with no confidence and just it's that skill that dyslexic people develop is chattiness not it's kind of like a skill that Mm. it's incredible not many not everyone has it a lot Mm. of people that don't have dyslexia also have it Mm -hmm. but I think trying to fend for yourself and you need to find other ways to get through school to get off the tension by just chatting to the teacher from because otherwise being detention your whole life for getting things wrong <laughs> and I think I was on detention so, so many times but I managed to get out of every one of them really never actually went to detention <laughs> because I was just good at talking to them and making them feel sorry and <laughs> like, uh, not even using dyslexic sex excuse because I didn't know what it meant yeah. so just that communication skills it's built in to people mm, mm. it is built in and if even if you exercise that uh that's incredible and it's great for life skills for interviews or teaching yeah and even thinking on your on the spot on your feet and you have five seconds to do something do it now and you can do that you don't need to go to a book and analyze it If I was to go back to myself as an eight-year-old, like my because my parents' generation, they they don't have, they didn't know they had it, so they don't know much about dyslexia. Mm. All I know is my parents supported me. when I get things wrong, and I'd like I'd come home from school and I'd have incredible tantrums, and it was just because I felt comfortable with my mother, um, and she'd have to cope with that, mm. and she just think like how how am i gonna cope with this but i have to say they are just supportive to me but now i would say the internet is an incredible way of learning Um, you can look up anything on the internet even books in school are all audio books on youtube Um, i used yeah. to look up maths for dummies um and it's a stupid name for it because dumb people wouldn't bother trying to study (laughs) but um, uh, maths for dummies was good Um, and I just think you, you might struggle in class but it's not the end of the world you'll struggle you will have to put so much work and more work than anyone else but the people that are going through your life with you will see that you're putting all that work in to get these results Mm. and you're going to fail and that's a good thing because when you fail you like sometimes you can't help that you fail Like you might study all night and all day and you just can't remember things but you might fail for other reasons and just keep trying or try it in a different way and you'll always find a solution and sometimes you might have to go through maths and english and you know you're not you're rubbish at them absolutely rubbish like i was so bad at maths in school and i really did try hard in school uh, for maths and um it was incredible because i was in i was in with the principal in the school she said your teacher saying nothing's going into your head nothing i remember one day my maths teacher said tapped my forehead and said nothing's going in there and I was blown away. I was like, what? I'm try- I'm studying all night for this. And um, I just think do them exams, fail them, go to a plc, get yourself. You can you don't need your you, you need to do your leave insert to get into the PLC or even your junior cert, but when you get your distinctions, it it gets rid of all your results. I didn't have to present any results from my leave insert, mm-hmm. none whatsoever. And when you're good at something music art sports um creative writing um anything with people helping people you will excel beyond anybody else because you're going to put the same amount of work in but you get different results because you're you're naturally talented at, yeah. at, at that thing so never ever ever give up just keep going and keep going and trying your best and
2: certainly it's our hope that having people like you on this podcast will help raise awareness uh, sort of try and get away from this ignorance that exists around the what it is and what it isn't um, and we're really grateful for you coming in to, to talk about it so openly it's been, been fantastic but I'm not letting you go yet before because <laughs> If you get me uh, at a dinner party, not that I'm invited to many dinner parties, <laughs> I, I'm my first topic of conversation is always dyslexia, but my no. second is music, Hello, so oh, I we have not really talked about your musical uh, talents, so okay. you're in a band, what's the, yeah. can you say a little bit about that? So,
1: I was working, I'll just tell you a little bit about the background. I... I was working as a waitress. In the I was working table? as a waitress. <laughs> I was My working as you. a waitress in um. What was I doing? I was in a carvery, and I, I've always been a bit of a fashion person, and I just remember we weren't allowed to wear any makeup. Our hair was back in a net. No lipstick allowed, and the aprons were black, dark black, and the women on the floor were allowed to wear red, and I was so jealous. <laughs> So I brought in the red lipstick and the red apron into, <laughs> into the actual workplace for the women behind the bar because I thought we were as important um, and it didn't go down too well and I just wasn't getting on well in the job because I was trying to reform our outfits. <laughs> so anyways, uh, my boyfriend, I went to Bali for it, um and I did the art and me and my boyfriend, he we met in, in music in school, in secondary school. But I was always a great singer on karaoke, and he was fantastic musician uh, with the guitar, piano, um, and everything, and his very good voice. And he ended up going to the rock school in Ballet Um But he wrote his own songs and that, and he was in a band. Um, but it fell through. And I said, we were both working in this restaurant, and we said, Why don't we... I said, "Why don't we start this band? We're gonna go to Spain this summer. We don't know anyone there, so that's great. If we mess up, that's it. Yeah, we mess up, fine. My, my auntie did work over there, and we started. Um, I got up and we got up on this guy's break, and uh, we sang two songs. We knew five songs <laughs> together, and they said you could sing um two songs. I'm gonna let you know if you're good enough. Um, and then when we got up there, they kept saying more." more well. and we just what do you know and I was pretending I couldn't even do a harmony back then to be honest I was I was really taking the make out I was I was pretending I knew what I well he was already very talented but I was catching up
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyways that went well and all the bar people came to see us and we got five gigs a week over there wow that's a um, lot and we learned at the pool. What a place to practice! At Not the bad. Place, I don't think. At yeah. the, living the dream. Living the dream, getting paid <laughs> there, and we really were good at pulling the wool over people's eyes and pretending we did this for a while. Got really good at it then. My harmonies were coming into practice. It takes a lot of practice at the start to learn fifty songs, and mm. um, when we knew five, and me learning the words. That was one thing I was really nervous of, um because i'm not good at remembering poems um but once the rhythm like now i couldn't even tell you some of the songs that we play the names of them or any of the words but when i hear the guitar it just pops into my mind Mm -hmm. and now i'm doing it i can do it on autopilot you know I, i can do it like in my sleep i can i know all these songs and uh we said will we go back to the restaurant or will we try it in ireland and we bought a PA system out of the money we made over in Spain. And um, we call ourselves the Dandies because we put our names together. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. It's nearly like Jedward. But it's grand <laughs> it because Dandy is, means happy and yeah. um, kind of dapper. Yeah. So it worked. And we started off in a pub and then an agent got in touch. And now we're doing big pubs in Temple Bar, like Fitzsimons, the River Bar, which was called the Harp before, um and all different country pubs and it's just beautiful the people that you meet and like it's it's a great job because you're doing something that's good it's good for my mental health anyways it's like a hobby that you get paid for and if you're in a if you had a rough day you you sing the songs out with meaning (laughs)
0: yeah
1: (laughs) and mr bright side's always a good one (laughs) but um no it's a fantastic thing to do um and it's just, like, you don't realise these things that you will have, like, I did, never thought I'd have a career in singing, mm. um, but you have to jump on things, and, um, you, you know, I think you just co- you go through life and unexpected things happen, and then you realise you're super at these things, and... Um, it's just, it's great to do that as a job. I couldn't think of a better way to enjoy myself. And you get compliments working. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> compliments and paid. Compliments you're paid you're a dress up. Lovely. And it's like a night out and yeah. without drinking. And it's a free night out. So I just <laughs> yeah. really enjoy it
2: so when you're headlining the Olympia you remember your friends at the. <laughs> yeah Texas you remember Sunday.
1: us oh I'll well, remember
0: absolutely
2: <laughs> we're trying to get freebies out of
0: everyone oh. <laughs> uh, okay Heidi listen thank you so much for coming in I think we really enjoyed that chat it was really good informative funny you're just amazing so and we'd love to stay in touch and absolutely. follow your journey thank you
1: thanks Heidi thanks
0: for bringing me in